Before we start today's show, I want to invite you to join my community of SaaS founders, agency owners, and others who are sharing tips, tricks, strategies, and tactics for creating successful cold outreach campaigns. It's a free group on Facebook called Cold Outreach Mastery, and you can get there by heading over to morgandwilliams.com slash community. And if Facebook isn't your thing, but you still want valuable cold outreach advice, head on over to morgandwilliams.com slash newsletter and put in your best email to get first in line for valuable resources that I share on how you can fill your calendar with sales meetings and your pipeline with opportunities. Now, let's start today's show. What if you knew exactly how to use cold email, LinkedIn, the phone, and other sales channels to get new meetings and customers for your B2B product or service? Morgan Williams is an enterprise sales rep that's obsessed with cold outreach. If you're sick and tired of fluff, theory, and general advice on how to sell to cold prospects from people who haven't sold anything in the past 20 years and instead want detailed, tactical, step-by-step instruction, this is the podcast for you. Each week, he'll interview salespeople, consultants, and entrepreneurs about actual outbound sales campaigns they've run with real numbers and results. Each conversation will be a deep dive into deconstructing a specific campaign's results, as well as the strategy behind it. You'll get the opportunity to peek behind the curtain and see what's actually working now in cold outreach. Welcome to Outbound Metrics. Theo Canalopoulos is an angel investor and the founder of PlanetGrowth.io. PlanetGrowth.io is a growth accelerator that helps ambitious B2B SaaS entrepreneurs reach 1 million ARR in 12 months or less. Theo, it's a pleasure to have you on. Are you ready to dive in? Hey, Morgan. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, let's start. Awesome. How does Planet Growth get results for entrepreneurs that are in the accelerator? Basically, uh, what we have done is that through the years, we have developed the ways we work. Basically, we started from being the classic uh, outbound agency and digital marketing agency that everybody is. The thing is that we've seen that this doesn't work at scale and doesn't build out startups and businesses that uh, can actually in the future grow. What we have shifted our focus on is building something that's scalable and that would result into basically building out teams for the businesses instead of just building for them leads. Got it. And I actually want to touch on that point you mentioned in the beginning. What is it about the typical outbound agency, the, hey, you pay me X amount of dollars every month, I'll get you these many meetings. Why have you seen that that doesn't? There are basically three reasons behind this. First off, I believe that it's really hard to get that knowledge to the team and to the team working with. For example, I've seen many startups working with an agency, and then when they actually build out their teams and their sales teams, this doesn't work. The, the knowledge is not transferable, and basically most agencies do not educate the company. The second one, which is the, the classic result, is that most agencies don't get the product. They lose lots of time into trying to figure out what the product is, uh, what the buyer wants, uh, and many iterations. Usually what happens is that they get, because they have the experience on how to do outbound, they get really good open rates, but then you see that the reply rate is not there. Uh, and most founders do not either have the patience uh, to, let's say, uh, spend the time into figuring out what their niece is with an agency, or sometimes uh, the effort uh, from the agency is not there. You actually feel that we keep doing the same repetitive tasks, 
uh, and nothing works. Uh, it's really discouraging for founders uh, when they work with those agencies and I see that there's a big churn and that happened also in my business, which was that after the three, four first months, basically the, the founder is actually uh, not able to, to, to see results. Uh, they see many open rates, they get discouraged about their products and especially when we're speaking about uh, early stage startups, it's a classic phenomenon. Uh, that the founder doesn't really believe in what they do. They basically get discouraged, they lose confidence, and they stop working, and they never see the results. That's the second reason. And uh, the third reason for me uh, is that then the, this uh, knowledge isn't methodic enough. I believe that they just uh, launch out there some people who are inexperienced uh, in regards of what is the end result that they want to get to. And for them, the end result is just lead generation which is great if you want to be a small business, but if you're a, a venture-backed startup or a bootstrap uh, startup that has the vision of becoming a big company, you cannot really rely only on the lead generation part, uh, but you also want these to understand an ICP, figure out the messaging, and figure out the strategic elements of it. Right, so the founder and his or her business and the agency, like at, at, at this point, they're just not well aligned because... For, for long-term growth, I should say, right? Like you can go out, you can get I some appointments in the short term, right? But as the months go on, they're not aligned with actual growth long-term. That makes total sense to me, for sure. That leads into my next question, what makes Planet Growth different? But I believe your, metho your uh, methodology for like how you're positioned for long-term growth would satisfy that. Would you agree? Absolutely. I would definitely uh, agree with you. What we do differently is that we have a long-term plan of when, where we want this to go and how sales and marketing operations should work together for a company to grow. From the very first moment, we, we work with the end result in mind, which is building a, a, really, a really specific ICP that the company should go towards in order for the company to reach 1 million or 10 million ARR uh, in the upcoming years. Got it. And uh, productized pricing or custom do you use? We have a productized method. Currently, in the past, we were actually being more custom. And the thing is that you see that as a company grows and scales, you definitely have to move into a more productized pricing. The reason being that you have to understand and offer the same services again and again and turn this into a repeatable process uh, for your company also to scale. Okay, very cool. And then who is your ideal customer? for your business? Our ideal customer is basically uh, startup founders and either bootstrapped or VC-backed funded startups. We usually work with companies from the US and the UK, but we also had some experience with South African companies. The thing is that what we actually uh, want to achieve is to have people who are ambitious and at the same time uh, want to, to be methodical on their approach, want to take it step by step. We don't promise that this happens over a day or over a month. This is a long-term process, but that's the reason why this is scalable, because you dedicate the effort and the time to see the results coming instead of expecting results from day one, which most companies promise. My approach is we promise that we have a plan. We promise that we will deliver on that plan and that we will give you every month progress and showcase to you what this happens, and the results might come from month two or three, but you're aware of when you sign off on this, that the, the results might delay, but they will be 
better and more scalable. Strategic partnership primed for or, or focused on long-term growth for the client. Got it. Exactly. Now, stepping into uh, prospecting that you've done for your company, I know that we connected on Facebook because you have a LinkedIn outreach method that's working very well for you. So I'd love to dive into that for the audience and, and discuss what kind of makes that tick and the results that you're seeing, how that all works. Starting off with this approach, you'd be targeting these startup founders, bootstrapped or VC, US, UK, and some South Africa. Is that right? Exactly. Okay. Let's talk at a high level, like what are the steps that you take with this LinkedIn outreach method? Basically, at the moment, uh, we have uh, two sales reps uh, going uh, on LinkedIn and uh, trying to do outbound prospecting. Uh, what we've found is that most people speak about personalization and personalizing the message. Uh, but, and, and this thing works, and of course, it will help get better results. But what is the most essential thing is figuring out something that the market needs. What we did for the fir- very first two months uh, when we first started our outbound process was that we had both sales reps going in and going with different messages, personalized messages, speaking to them, but always trying to figure out what that niche uh, message is. And this is how we came up with this title of going to 1 million RR in 12 months. This is something that most founders that we target are actually interested in. And what they're interested in is this service of understanding how they're going to achieve it month by month and what this growth will look like. What we have done is that we now have actually automated most of the outreach on LinkedIn, and it works really well at scale. We get a 30% acceptance rate and 50% reply rate, which means that we book, if we say that on LinkedIn you can only send 100 requests, it means that we book 15 appointments per rep per week. That uh, is more than we can handle at the moment, and we're building out our processes in order for us to scale. But the thing is that uh, we have been extremely successful by going into, for the first two months, with a really personalized approach, but with a goal to figure out what would work uh, at scale and in an automated way. Now our message, instead of being personalized, is just goal-oriented. And it, it started from, I've seen that your company has done and has hit those milestones, would you be interested in us uh, working together and achieving this result, blah, blah. But now it has changed and it has just been, we know that this is a pain point for many founders. We help you achieve this result. Do you want to get it? But but by having a specific result that you go to, you, you actually get that message to resonate at scale instead of having to just hire all the time and again and again sales reps to get the work done for you. Got it. I think this is really important that you you mentioned this because there's a lot of attention around personalizing for the individual, right? Like, hey, I'm going to go on LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever. I'm going to find something about you that only I could find by researching and put that in the beginning so that it'll catch your attention and then you read my message and respond to me. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but I think there's more, it's good, but there's more impactful things like mentioning in a B2B context. It's like, well, at the end of the day, this person has a job, they're trying to solve problems. There's probably like three big problems in their mind that they're thinking about. And if I can tap into that problem, that's going to strike a chord and get them to respond to me. It's great if I went to college, it's great if you know that I like koalas, but if you can solve my problem, right, I'm going to talk to you. 
right now because it's a pain point. I'm all, like I also agree and uh, with companies that uh, have scaled and we've worked together and now they're at that uh, one million to ten million era uh, scale. It's definitely something that we use and we go for personalization. Mm-hmm. But before going for personalization, you need to know that you have a, a problem and a solution that has a product market fit. And what happens with most startups is that I believe they start off with a huge funding uh, and uh, they basically get that personalized approach. They figure out and they get some clients and they think they have a product market fit. But the problem is that they do not actually have spent the time to identify what is the problem that they solve and what exactly is that they cater to. And as a result, this creates not only a problem at sales or marketing, it creates a problem at operations, with customer success, without knowing what the end result for a customer should be. And that makes it really hard for companies to scale and gets them into huge trouble in the end and dissatisfied employees which don't see the results coming in. They leave the company. And it's something that I've experienced uh, working uh, before I was working in such companies. Now I have consul- I've been consulting them. And it's something that I, I, I've seen. And it's definitely a pain point that I'm trying to solve uh, by my approach. And personal, like personalization will get you, what I usually say uh, on sales calls, is that the personalized approach will get you from a 20% reply rate to a 35% reply rate. But to get from 0 to 20, you actually need to have uh, a problem that people care about. Right. You're taking this pain point that your market has and messaging that to them, and people are raising their hands. And not only are they raising their hands pre-sale to get on the call, but it's, it, it helps in other areas of the business, like you're saying, marketing, operations, right? Everything that's client-facing to help drive results and help really keep alignment between teams and the, the client. Makes total sense. Now, last point on this I want to touch on is uncovering this messaging. I know you mentioned that the reps were testing different things. Was there specific things that happened before you uncovered, like, okay, this is a winner here, this... 1 million ARR in 12 months. How did you unpack that? The thing is that uncovering the messaging is the most important thing. We have a a specific method and you'll see, and most people that uh, listen to your podcast uh, would know that an outbound message consists of four parts. The first part is the personalization, then is the problem that someone is having, then is the solution, and then is the call to action. What we've been doing is for two months, we're testing hard work in the trenches. Everybody just gets uh, their chance on the message and tries different things weekly on what this would look like. We start off by trying to find out what is the main problem that those people have and how we communicate that problem efficiently. Uh, We use an approach there where we say that we want to to be result-based. We use an, let's say, algorithm in a way to format our messaging. We say that we achieve this result in this time frame and with, without the major objection that most people have. What we found for this message is that most people see, uh, as may, I see that the goal is that they get to 1 million RR in 12 months. And the main objection is that they feel that if someone promises that to them, that this is actually uh, a scam. We have kind of played with that. We have actually created our messaging and our marketing messaging around us not being a guru and not being a scam. Uh, And it has worked really well because we've seen actually that many people resonate with that. They actually see that we are not trying to get that in a a month or in weeks and promise results in weeks. 
We promise results in the long run. And people who want to dedicate the time into building something scalable are working with us in that. Having that, what we do afterwards is that we figure out the CTA. We have a problem and a solution, and we go in depth and try to test out the different CTAs that people would, ha- would like to hop on a call. Would you like to see a case study? Would you like to see a video? Would you try- like to see a lead magnet? All the different things that uh, people would begin to have is what we actually uh, test. And what we've seen for us is that case studies had worked really well as a CTA. And as a result, we have created that message. And now it's scalable and automated uh, and translates back to marketing or any other function. Got it. In a nutshell, you're starting with this framework of personalization, problem, solution, and call to action. And then you are experimenting on that each piece. Personalization, you're pretty much keeping the same. You're looking for, and actually to touch on that one real quick, how are you personalizing? Personalizing based on uh, funding, on uh, raising funds, on current situation in the company. I'm not personalizing on the person. I'm mostly personalizing on the recent success of the company, either website chains or a recent funding stuff that I've seen or a, a new hire. Those are the things that I personalize on. Got it. It's company-based personalization. You're moving into the problem, which you've I- identified is this getting to 1 million ARR in or difficulty getting to 1 million ARR, right? You're moving to the solution, getting to 1 million ARR in 12 months without, and then your objection, which is getting there quickly is the objection, right? Like you're framing it as like, hey, it's going to take 12 months. This isn't overnight, right? Like you're, you're building trust through that, through like, do I have that correct? Through framing it yeah, that way? It's, it's building a product that's scalable. I mean, if I promised that it would happen in a, in a month, it wouldn't be possible anyhow, or even in, in three or four months. The point, though, is that I'm doing that in a way that I also want that to communicate that this is because this is the way I also exclude clients and uh, get away from people who actually want early success, that want to see results from day one. I, I think that this is something like I could bring you appointments, but how well good would those appointments be? How well would you actually, like the quality of the appointments you're not aware of? You don't know if at the end of the day you will actually close deals from those appointments. The way I've turned this is working from the bottom of the funnel and making sure that things work, which takes more time, but makes it more scalable in the future. And by having exactly the, the objection you say is the way for me to disqualify bad clients and that's and that's well uh, make sure that I promise something that I cannot deliver on. Got it. Problem is getting to one million ARR. Solution is a systematic approach, like you're suggesting. And then the goal is that one million ARR in twelve months. And the the embedded objection that they are bringing to the table is marketing agencies, these type of growth marketing firms don't work because I don't believe you can get there in what what the rest of these people tell me in three months and whatever, in this short span of time, you get me a hundred appointments, like that doesn't work for me. You're coming with, no, 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 you're right. That doesn't work. This is how we do it, right? We do it over a 12 month span. It's long-term. You have to be um, growth minded, that sort of thing. And then moving to the call to action, which is not a call to action to a meeting. It's not even a call to action asking if there's any interest in what you're suggesting. It's, Hey, can I show you proof that this works? Whether through some type of authority content, YouTube, case study, you're saying case studies work the best. You're directing them towards a case study. Now, once you direct them towards that case study, they say yes. 
What is the typical flow like from there? Do you have to follow up with them? Do they usually come back and say, hey, I checked it out? Depends. So we have a call to action from the case study directly to booking a meeting with us. And there are some cases that have done it. But to be honest, this is like 10% of the people who receive actually the case study. We track everything through DocuShine. We basically upload the document there and we track the people. We see uh, if they look at, if someone looks at the case study and they spend an uh, amount of time in there, then we outreach to them and we follow up with them after a week. Uh, and usually, like, we haven't actually had anyone not replying to us. Basically, everybody who has dedicated time on the case study and we follow up with them, we get a, a meeting booked uh, and we're happy to discuss. The good thing about my ICP is also that they're really, really open-minded and uh, really open to listen to fresh ideas, which makes it really easy uh, for us to get into appointments. And I think like what you mentioned with that, the great part about it is you're letting them self-select by seeing, by giving them this, this content to consume on their own time, right? You're not pushing them into a sales call immediately. You're not even trying to get any information out of them. You're letting them figure out what you do first. And you're only going after the people who show that interest, not like, hey, I'm interested, but they're actually spending time in the case study. And I'm sure on the flip side, operationally, that's a lot easier for you because you're not following up with everybody. You're only following up with those people that spend a significant amount of time. Hey, I know that's a trigger for interest. Let me follow up with you. And I noticed like through your whole process, you're letting the, the triggers kind of do the talking, right? Like you're, you're finding a significant company event that has in prime for growth, like funding or a new hire or something for that, right? Then you're going in this specific problem, letting people raise their hand for the specific problem, getting to 1 million ARR. Then going to the case study and letting them kind of raise their hand through action by spending time in the case study. It's taking a lot of like, upfront work off of you by not having to run after everybody who has an email address in this list. You're only going after those folks who kind of raise their hand. Let's say like out of, okay, so we've got the, and this is all on LinkedIn, you have a 30% acceptance rate. And then out of the people who accept a 50% reply rate from there, right? Reply rate. Yeah. From there, you're sending them do you know like what percent of that is, is positive versus negative or neutral? No, it's 50% positive. 50% positive. Okay, 50% positive reply rate. Are you getting, how, how what, what percentage on top of that is negative? Just curious, negative or neutral or no thanks? I'd say there's no negative. Like I haven't had a negative apart from some cases that we actually had outreach to the wrong person, mm-hmm. which I wouldn't account. Uh, for neutral, I, I would say that there's another 15%, which is neutral. Okay. To this. Cool. That 50% positive, 65% reply rate, 50% of that is positive. You're sending in the case study. How many people that you send a case study, you said 10% actually accept the CTA in the case study. How many folks do that? significant amount of time in the doc these these results basically i'll tell you that it results basically to 10 to 15 appointments per week okay got it that's that's where i'm at got it basically from the from the calculation i think my mind is like 66 percent who actually spend the time on the case study and then we follow up with them and get them into a call the end result that i have tracked and i'm aware of because that's uh, salesforce work and I, i'm like I'm being honest here, is that we that I have 10 to 15 appointments per week. Cool, cool. That works. You, you're sending them that case study, you're getting them on the phone. Okay. 
LinkedIn profile, are there specific things that you do or that your salespeople do with their profiles to attract people or anything? Yeah, we across all of my sales reps, we use the exact same framing that I have in my profile. It's something that we've seen having success of, apart from the fact that I'm an angel investor and all those things that, of course, they're not so... They're not using them, but we have really specifically what we help with, who we help with in the beginning. So we help B2B founders uh, reach one millionaire in 12 months. So we have the audience we work with, plus the problem, uh, like the framework that I spoke about mm-hmm. before. Uh, we have that on our headline, making sure that people will see. We make sure that the B2B founders, basically the ICP, is, the, is, is really easy to, to find and uh, see. We make sure that we keep that on the first three uh, words. So we help B2B founders because I've seen many companies doing that wrong and they say what they do, but they don't say who they deliver to. And uh, on LinkedIn, if you see a message at the top of them in the message, you'll see that uh, not everything appears of your headline. You want to make sure that uh, you have everything uh, that works and that you want to communicate in those first like five, six uh, words. We've done that as a growth hack trick that has helped us uh, do significantly. And then we follow all the best practices around how to optimize your LinkedIn profile having a picture that is uh, looks professional and that also has uh, a good uh, and uh, like grabs attention basically like a background that would grab attention having uh, again in our uh, banner something that resonates well uh, with the audience uh, and having those and following those best practices has given us uh, tremendous results and at the moment we like we should be optimizing on that but we have, I personally have so many other things to focus on sure. and uh, we get so many appointments, which at the moment we haven't really had the capacity. Cool. That works. A couple more questions on this tech stack. What are you using for this automation? What tools do you use? I've basically tried everything out there. Uh, the one that has performed, performed the best for me is a tool that uh, is basically not as popular uh, is called Sales Robot. And we, it has a really sweet spot between having a good price, having really good personalization. So you can actually, if you want, you can personalize on connections and uh, common con- uh, connections that you have. Or you can personalize on, let's say, some recommendations and positive things that someone has said about the rep. I'm not using them, but I, that was the reason that I first uh, got the tool, because I would, it would be able to use them at scale with my sales reps. And the thing is that uh, it has been performing really well for me. So I'm using that, and then I'm using DocuSign in order to track the document, which is essential, and getting all the information back to HubSpot, because there it's my hub of all the information, my CRM, and for me, it has been performing great for me and my clients. Awesome. Follow-ups with your messaging. Do you, you have that first message you send. What are your follow-ups? I only have one follow-up. I don't want to be... I only have one follow-up that is non-personalized. So automated follow-ups, I only have one. I do that because I don't want to be a spammy. And if someone doesn't show interest uh, in the problem, because we have a specific problem, uh, then I, I don't think that they would show interest afterwards. Sometimes in the past, what I was using as a third follow-up is getting feedback. And this is something that I'm using with my clients. So instead of asking again for, for, another, uh, for the same call to action because it's repetitive, the third, my second follow-up is just a follow-up. Hi, I'm following up on the above. The third follow-up that I, in some cases, have used is feedback. I, I know that you're the right person for this. I've done my research. I, I, I'm aware that you are the right person. Would you like 
to, to help me understand why this isn't resonating with you. This helps tremendously. You get a, a mentorship kind of approach to those people. And the thing is that many people reply positively and you can optimize then uh, your messaging to, to fit what their actual problem is. Got it. Building, you had something else? Yeah, what I'd say is that I wanted to say that basically prospecting is also like key in all this process because I make sure, and this is like the main activity of my sales reps, is that they prospect the right accounts. Because if we don't, pro like we have a problem and a solution uh, for really specific people. If we try to just get everybody out there from a list, uh, like, I don't know, zooming for Apollo, this won't work. What we do and what we spend most of our time on is prospecting because that makes sure that we get to the right people, the right solution to their problems. Awesome. Now, my next question, how do you build that list? What do you look for characteristics to build the prospect to build the right list? We have some signals and we actually have mapped out all those signals through the years. The thing is that we've seen people who have just uh, had a seed funding are great. People who have hired their first product people are great because they, they, it looks like they want to build out and want. it's an indicative sign of them wanting to building out and scaling that startup. We've also seen most startups, I, I, most companies would go for people who lay off maybe sales reps or people who uh, sign into not knowing what they do. We, we try to find other signals that would indicate that this company is looking for growth. And then basically it's also the, the type of the company. So we know that B2B SaaS works really well for us. And we also know that we can resonate really well with people who are trying and, and uh, trying to get changes and making changes to their websites. We're tracking, in some cases, some websites. And when we see changes, we actually get them into the list. All these indicators for, well, you've got your one industry or one, what you call it, SaaS and industry, but your one type of company, business model, right? B2B SaaS. You're looking at basically growth indicators, funding, hiring, making website optimizations, testing, right? Very cool. 10 to 15 appointments a week. How many you typically close? At what price point? Great. Basically, uh, what we actually do is that we actually have three to four clients per month closing at the moment. Uh, and to be honest, we're currently trying to close less clients. <laughs> Because we can't afford, the, like, we need to fix our operations to make sure that we deliver results. Uh, uh, the thing is, though, that uh, we get three to four out of them to answer your question. Okay, very cool. And then your sales process is typically you go from that call, are you pitching that 12 month plan on that first call? Exactly. Uh, what I'm doing is that I'm getting them into the first call. In the first call, it's a discovery. If we find that they're fit, the first call is not taken by me anymore. It's taken by, by our sales reps. If they see that there is a good fit, I get the recording and I come up with a 12-month plan for their business. The thing is that what we're trying to achieve is that at each call, we have a, a great call to action for them, depending on their customer journey and when, where they're at. If we see that people are not uh, good quality and a good fit, we set up a reminder to follow up with them in six months, uh, because that's usually where we've seen that people have actually changed their perspective and have changed the way they work. Uh, and then if they're a good fit, they move on with exactly what uh, you said, the 12-month plan. And in, in the 12-month plan, Sometimes it works really well uh, and people resonate fast and we close a really fast deal. Our average sales cycle is 1.5 months. So it's not 
like significantly high. And the good thing about that is that if they don't close, we know that we can follow up with them in the next quarter. And we usually keep a quarterly basis, stats base on where they're at. And people are really positive about jumping again on call with us and figuring out what that is. And in most cases, we do jump on a call with them, uh, which works really well to just get uh, them back yeah. uh, to track close the deal afterwards. Very good. Very good. I like that. Nice and tight. Six-week sales cycle. Very cool. To wrap things up here and bring it home, you mentioned that you've uh, been creating YouTube videos, got a YouTube channel. How's that working out? What have you seen after creating that channel? Absolutely. For me, YouTube has worked extremely well. The thing is that before any meeting that we have, I'm sending out content uh, to everyone with an automation. And the, th the good thing about that is that people get in the call and they know who they speak to. They are familiar with you and they see you as an authority, which is working greatly for me. Other than that, I'd uh, argue that it's also really good as to showcase and get inbound leads. We have had some success and we have slow but steady uh, getting one or two per month leads currently from YouTube. Uh, and uh, we want to grow in this channel and uh, we believe that this will help us also in selling other products such as courses and making sure that we get our message to the most people out there. Awesome. I love it. If you want to check out Theo in the uh, YouTube channel, go to youtube.com slash C as in cat, Theo Canalopoulos, T-H-E-O-K-A-N. E L L O P O U L O S. Awesome. Thank you so much, Theo. I appreciate it. Thanks, Morgan. All right. You have a good one. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe and share it with a friend. Thanks for listening.